So yeah. two from Future Man Records yeah. uh, right there, and then Ken Stringfellow. It's time for Make Our Phone Call. We're going to dial uh, a 718 number. It looks yeah, like. I mean, I, I don't want to say I have this uh, area code on speed dial, but I have some friends in New York. You still do? No. Okay. No, they don't like me anymore. All right, well, you know. <laughs> It can work. Friendships don't have to go both ways. No, I mean, I mean, once I moved north of uh, probably Connecticut, it, it ends because that that whole tri-state area is really tight, mm-hmm. really tight. So, all right, well, let's call Aton. You're asking me to visualize numbers <laughs> right now. Let's see. So anyway, um, Mitch is going to be uh, dialing some numbers. Uh, hopefully, Aton <laughs> is there to answer. Uh, he's got a landline, which is cool. So the sound should be pretty good. Be dialing, people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're uh, this is great radio, folks. This is about as good as it gets. Um, we are honing our interview now, skills. Also, I have a new cable on uh, our phone call thing. So if things great. go awry, we'll fix it. Yeah, because so it, just, the other one worked perfectly. So Mitch had to so, change so it. So good. <laughs> um, so here we, we go. So here we have go. been honing our interview skills, and we're ready for this. All right. And uh, there's some dead air, but that happens when you're. Live. I hear something. Oh, I, that's good. I do hear it. Oh. Aton. Hey. hey. It's Mitch and Mark. Mr. Aton Mursky. Hello. This is Mitch. And? Mark. Hey. <laughs> hey. <laughs> How's it going? Um, we're I'm hearing you good. Do you hear us okay? Yeah, I hear you fine. Now, which are you, Mitch and Mark? <laughs> this is Mitch. So Mitch has the slight okay. little uh, Jersey accent, and this is Mark over here on okay. the side. All Mark right. has that high-pitched kind of girly <laughs> yeah. accent. So welcome which to the show. The high pitch? Which one is the high-pitched? Uh, I'm a little yeah. higher. My voice is a little higher than Mitch's, I guess. Okay. Yeah? yeah so it doesn't really matter. I've got you, the telly voice. Just, you can just think of, we're just Eminem. It doesn't really matter who's who, for, as yeah, far as we're no, concerned. It's get confusing. It doesn't matter. It doesn't, doesn't matter at all. So I, I've got um, uh, copious notes I've uh, taken Aton, um, and I, I, I saw that you were playing songs, but I wasn't home at the time. Yes. No, that I mean, we, that's what we do. We, we do play songs, and um, no, I mean but, my songs. Yes, we I played some you, of yours. I, I saw you added me on that. We Twitter, did, but I wasn't. Yes, I wasn't home. Unfortunately. That's okay. You're a busy guy. We get it. Mm-hmm. But uh, I have copious notes written, and um, I have the handwriting of a five-year-old, so I can't read them. So Mark's going to ask the first Excellent. question. No, mine is terrible. Mine's in the illegible scroll. That's um, me. I can read mine. I typed this one out. So Oh, you're a typewriter. <laughs> I didn't type anything. Uh, one thing we can I say is... We... Read, I can't even read my typing. <laughs> We um, very much enjoyed your YouTube show a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we're not Facebook. Oh, okay. We're not Facebook guys, so it was nice to be able right. to uh, to see you. Well, that's why well, I was doing it for the people yeah. who couldn't go. How, how is I, your? I think I'll do it again soon. Your experience with that, as opposed to a live show, where basically a live show you're going to control the set list for the most part. But it seems when you're doing the interactive thing, that a lot of the suggestions are coming from the audience. How does that compare? You know, obviously a live audience is so much better, but you're getting through it, right? Yeah, well, I used to do shows that were just my, with myself, you know, with no band, and then it was so that wasn't that different, you know, because I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to uh, remember. Yeah, because you you get like shouted a lot of requests. Yeah, and then someone lot. might say, but obviously, if you're playing songs of the when when I did, well, I only did one show last year with a band, but. You know, we rehearse certain songs. You, you, you know, and I, I mean, I'm sure there are people who tour year after year and they can do, you know, and they've rehearsed various songs. So there's some flexibility. Yeah. So where I, you I, have, I, you know, yeah. where you have over a hundred songs or so, do you that you that are yours? Do you have a, a yeah. sort of do you prepare like 25 of them ahead of time just to be ready for whatever comes at you? Yeah. Well, that's what I did. But now, if I do it again, I'll have another 20 whatever songs. So obviously, I could do any among those like. 40 some odd songs now. Cool. Fantastic. Because probably people would request a lot of the same ones, but I have also prepared some other ones so that I don't have to do the same. Yeah, it's nice to go a little deeper. Well, I don't want to just, if I keep doing shows and it's the same over and over again, it'll just get a little ridiculous. You you, you don't want to do that? People can just rerun the next gig. They could just rerun the last (laughs) Why do they need me to keep doing it? You like playing the same 10 songs, right? Come on. Yeah, you know, so uh, I don't want to keep doing it because then the people will feel like, well, so, although people don't react that way, but it's but it's like what I would feel, you know. 
So let me ask this. Uh, this is Mitch, by the way, so you get confused on mm. the who's who. But when you're uh, approaching a, a live set, um, whether it's predetermined or not, is it flexibility in terms of, hey, I'm feeling this right now, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dig deeper in the catalog. Let's see if you guys like this. Throw it on the wall and see what happens. And uh, what, What's your approach typically playing live? Is it very organic well, for I, you? Well, when I did play actually live, like, you know, I mean, in a, with an audience, right, live right. audience, I did, you know, vague, vaguely have an idea in my mind, although with some flexibility. But yeah. with these things I was doing online, I, I'm been even more flexible. Well, it's, yeah, that's a very different medium, sure. Yeah, I don't know if it's good or bad, but you know, <laughs> uh, because, because then I, you know, because then I'm sitting there going, oh well, what do you guys want to, you know, what I mean, so I don't know, but uh, people seem to, yeah, it's just like they'll watch anything if it's on, you know, it's like when the Seinfeld they go, well, why are they watching it? Because it's on TV, <laughs> you know, exactly. So it's like that, you know, yeah. it's like, well, look at the, hey, there's a guy and he's trying to decide what to play, and somehow that's interesting, even though it shouldn't be, but uh, you know, well, I think it's you get. Yeah, go ahead. No, I'm just saying you get kind of uncomfortable when you're sitting there. You're thinking like I'm just you know weighing what I'm going to do, and this is dead time. But I, I don't think the audience reacts to it in that way so much. You know? Well, I think also um, when you're doing like an internet-based show, quote unquote, that's what we're dealing with now. Mm-hmm. Is like you have a much more fickle audience that are very opinionated versus when you're live yeah. and you're playing so it, it's sort of a looser kind of a, they'll they'll accept it, whatever but it's like hey play this play this you got all these things coming at you in this barrage right. of digital uh miasma well, because because they have the chat there if you didn't have a chat exactly if you didn't have that chat area then you wouldn't know what anybody was saying right and then you'd just be doing it and there would be no interaction but that is part of the fun i think even when i watch people doing things it, it doesn't even have to be music uh, some friends of mine have these storytelling thing whatever they're just yeah. you know, talking doing a monologue whatever it is it's it's more fun if you're just commenting and other people are commenting I think if if there wasn't that interactive thing, it would be right. much less enjoyable. Well, then then it might as well not even be live because you're not really interacting unless you know someone could, someone could call you while you're on screen too. That would be funny. We kept I, I trying to do to, the, uh, yeah. Go ahead, sorry, yeah. finish. Yeah, not if you had my number, but I, I used to do this thing. It was this whole it was this whole crazy thing. I am listed in there, so saying anybody could call me, which actually fits into the story I'm going to tell you. A few okay, years perfect. ago, a few years ago there was this. There was this um, application, I guess you call it a website. I, I don't know whatever the proper word is. It's called Spreecast. So it allowed you to do basically video podcasts, and you could have anybody on could be your guest. You didn't have to plan it with them, you know. Okay. Like all they had to do was log in, and then you would start talking to them. I mean, it's basically like a glorified Skype or, you know, Zoom or whatever. Anyways, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, so you know, someone would be a host. Although, I mean, it wasn't necessarily meant to be entertainment. It, you know, it could be for someone just doing a presentation at their work. But you know, they were trying to market it to anybody. You know, yeah. But you know, Benji from the Howard Stern thing. Sure. Oh yeah. I, I don't listen to Howard Stern, but that's not not anyway. Benji, he was one of the writers or whatever. Anyway, he had this girlfriend. Her name was Elisa Jordan. She was doing a show on this. Thing called Spreecast. Somehow I got roped into being a guest, and I did songs, and then I kept coming back, and I was doing the songs, and it was this whole thing was ridiculous. The whole thing was ridiculous. Well, Benji's uh, Benji's claim to fame is uh, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I'm sorry. I keep interrupting you, but all these Howard Stern people, the audience members themselves, are crazy. So these people like that all listen to that kind of stuff, and they were watching her show. Although they were like hate watching it because most of the people did not like her, you know, and well, it was hard yeah, to tell whether it was a legitimate show or not, whether it was like tongue in cheek, which is I thought it was, but then no, it really was just this whole bizarre thing. So what was your? And I was what, going yeah. on there. Oh no, I'm, no, 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 Sam, I don't want to keep. No, no, no. I'm just wondering. So finish the experience. So you were on there with them. Oh, yeah. Right. No. So the point I was trying to make is that <clears throat> sometimes I'd be doing these things. I think while I was a guest, I wasn't necessarily doing uh, songs. I would do songs sometimes, but even if I was just talking, they would start calling me while I was on camera. 
like they looked up my number online. <laughs> like, I mean, these aren't even people that I knew, is what I'm saying. Just they just found my number in, the, like, the whitepages.com and called me. <laughs> and then I'd be on, and I'd pick it up, though. I didn't <laughs> care. I'd pick heck? it up. Yeah. I'd go, like, hello. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm on. Yeah, that's right. Okay, whatever. I, whatever. Goodbye. Uh, uh, you know, nice. I, fuck you too. Whatever. Yeah. I mean, whatever. <laughs> sorry. I, I'm no, sorry. it's okay. This is uh, this is internet radio. You're, you're allowed, allowed to do anything. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, it was definitely that way on these on these precast things. Anyway, yeah. so. We wouldn't want it any so, other way. Sounds like pirate radio. Right. <laughs> so that was like that. I mean, they had their own chat too. But I'm saying, like, they were trying to like freak me out or get me off my game. You know what I mean? As the kids say. But well, anyway. you know. And they would be calling me. Yeah. Benji's uh, oh. claim to fame is Sharknado 5, I think. So I really don't think. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I, they were making fun of him. Not that that had happened yet. But I think they were making fun of him that like he had to pay to be in that. Oh, yes, he did. <laughs> he did. That's absolutely right. So, yeah. Yeah. So that's ridiculous. That's like, a little like, sad. For that to be your claim of fame and you're paying to be in it. So we're going to get into... Um, the whole movie well, I area, think this is, but let's yeah, let's get into. But some first, of the you know, music. actually, this yeah. is a, this is a good transition yeah. here since you're talking about acting. Um, we, reala- right. we realize you have a couple of acting credits on your IMBD. Oh right, yeah, and right. we were wondering what exactly went into being angry protester. Did you have? Where did that? No, how did you channel? Oh, angry picketer. Sorry, you had to channel something. Oh, angry picketer. Yes, the angry angry picketer. Well, I mean, as to w- w- how I had to prepare emotionally. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think you want to go deep. Just walk outside. I got the part. <laughs> yeah, I got How say. I even got the part in the first place. Yeah, that's... Being so, such a non-angry guy, how, how would I get that part? <laughs> um, well, I, you know, just to give background on it, is like I went to film school with Todd Solon to direct the, who directed that film, Happiness, gotcha. we're okay. talking about. And uh, I actually acted for him some in film school and some classes. I'm not, you know, so, uh, but, uh, and then I was friends with him. I'm actually still friends with him. I've you know, uh, been uh, dealing with, you know, uh, interrelating with him a lot online to uh, do this whole COVID thing because I thought I had it and then he thought he had it. Ah. <laughs> so we were comparing notes. But anyway, when he made that film, uh, he um, he just cast me in that, and he, he, there was some other of his friends in that too. There was a, one of our mutual friends. Had um, you written the song uh, for that one prior to being cast, or did that kind of come along with it? Yeah, I, I didn't want to jump the gun because I started to talk about the song, but then you would ask me about the actor. Yeah, no, I'd like to hear one. about the I didn't song. I don't know if I wanted to jump the gun there, but what happened jump was, it. yeah, he he. Um, he needed a song because one of the uh, you know main characters, Joy, is an inspiring singing singer-songwriter. So he didn't have a song. He just knew he you know she was supposed to be singing and writing a song, singing a song. So he gave me some fragments of ideas, and I, I wrote three things. And then he chose the one that ended up being the song "Happiness" and put it in the movie. I don't know the sequence of whether he. Yeah, was, I'm sure it was pro- approximately at the same time he decided I, I could play the, the Angry Picketer. Um, so, yeah, you know, that's cool. it was only one, one, one day of shooting. I actually played the guitar for the scene where the other, where the student is playing You Light Up My Life, the Russian student playing. Right, you got credited as the guitarist. <laughs> no, that was the other movie. That was a different actually. movie. Yeah. That was. Yeah. That was a different movie. Sorry. Oh. Yeah. No, I, I'm not. Uncre- I'm sure I'm uncredited. I don't know That's if I'm credited shame. or uncredited. So you should have two I'm probably not. The guitarist. He actually is lip syncing. <laughs> he's not. Jared Harris is not actually singing, as I remember, because I actually was at auditions. They were auditioning people to sing the Yolanda of My Life. So we're going to be anyway, all we're going to be all over the place I, with I, our I, questions here. So I'm going to go. Oh, no, that's good. Going with Jeopardy for here for for a couple of minutes here. Um, number one, oh, okay. you had a great hair day uh, that day on Jeopardy. Fantastic. Yes. Well, I had a lot more hair at the time, <laughs> so I had a lot more. Good hair. It was I had a lot more good hair days when I had a lot more hair. Uh, speak the truth to me, Aton. Me too. And Mitch is with you on mm-hmm. that one. Um, right. The question so here, now it's like yeah, very touch and go. <laughs> the question here is more about how uh, when Alex was interviewing you at the end of the end of it, I don't think he quite got your sense of humor when he basically he asked you if you were going to direct, and you're like, oh, oh, actors and something like that, and he just <laughs> <Right>. totally <laughs> didn't. He didn't know how to handle that. 
<laughs> yeah, I said something like, uh, no, actress, I really don't. Know it was perfect. Yeah. I laughed my balls off, but yeah. I could tell Alex. Would, so how, how was Alex? How was that whole experience? Well, a lot of the weird thing is, you know, they ask you questions ahead of time so that you can, you know, so they'll have something to ask you. I mean, sure. he's not right. spontaneously right. coming up with these things. You have certain things that you've already said. So I never thought, uh, that question wasn't so weird once he got off into that tangent, but like his first thing was like, oh, I see you went to NYU film school or something like that. What did you major? <laughs> well, I know. I just was like, I heard you. You're like, oh, writing and uh, yeah, you know, right. movies. Biochemistry. <laughs> yeah. So as opposed to like saying, like, you know, you know, you can't just go like, actually, Alex, there are no majors. You know, you can't. You got to go with, you know, it's like when they say improv and you got to go yes and or whatever. Or, or you had yes the perfect plus, pause right whatever there. Whatever they yeah. do. So you can't pause. say no. No, you're wrong, Alex. Yeah. <laughs> There are no majors, so then you're like, oh, I don't know. And first of all, I was like, I don't even know why you're asking me about the school. I'm not even in the school anymore, so why are you even asking me about that? And on top of that, there were no majors, so because you just have to take classes and everything, basically, you know. Oh, so I, you know, because it was a grad school, it wasn't an undergrad thing, so it wasn't a major. It wasn't a yeah, major, exactly. You know? Yeah, yeah. So, 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 you know, you're like, I'm just trying to, you know, survive, like. Just give him what he needs. Yeah, here. Get, oh, I, you know, get to the damn questions, Alex. Jesus Christ. <laughs> and by the way, right. once the question started, you came out of there gangbusters with the uh, palindromes. I, I, was imp- I was impressed that he did, in, he did, in, he did pronounce my name right. Yeah, you know? he did very well. All right, yeah, one more quick question then. So, No, but what, forget <laughs> one more. I mean, we can talk about this at length. But I wanted to say that we had lunch on the Soul Train set. No way. See, now that's yeah, perfect. Uh, Let's hear yeah, more I don't that. even remember if Soul Train was still on then. I guess it was, or whether that was the current set. But, like, you know, they, they film three shows, have lunch, and then do another two shows. So that's where we, you know, it's like across the, in the same studio. There. So are you hanging with your competitors um, when you're doing that at lunch, or...? Actually, yes, because the woman, I was of the fourth show of the day, and that woman started in the morning and went and won five shows in that day. And at that time, wow. that was the maximum. That was the maximum that you could be on and win was five shows. So she did it all in the one day. Like if she had started in the middle of the day, or if let's say I had won, and I would have had to come on another day to go right. through five if, shows. If not whatever. for freaking double jeopardy, right, I mean, so for um, here's a daily doubles. Question. Yeah. Do I was losing them anyway, so it was, I was lucky that I didn't bet a yeah, lot. Yeah, you didn't have huge bets on those, yeah. But when we were at lunch, we were trying to say this woman, Leah, who beat me, she came by, and you know, she, I don't know if you saw her, she has a very affected accent. Oh, very much so, yes. That Jonathan Richmond song, My Affected <laughs> Accent. <laughs> she, she was, she was, uh, so she, you know, and she was like, I was one of the first to co-educate Yale, or whatever that was. And, and she also spoke, spoke uh, she, she, when she would get a foreign word, and sometimes these were languages that I didn't necessarily speak, so I didn't pick up on that, but, you know, when she would get a foreign language, it would be even more absurd. But, but so at lunchtime, she came up to me or, you know, whatever, we were on the line of food. She was oh, Eitan, I see they're saving the hardest components. I mean, opponents, <laughs> the hardest opponents for last. But I was trying to psych her out. So I was like, I don't know why you're saying that. You know, just, just like trying to freeze her out, you know, just trying to not be friendly, you know. And Debbie, and Debbie had like, to be the most yeah. contest, contested ever, right? They're sitting in the middle there where you could barely hear her answer the questions. Yeah, that was weird. And she had already been on in the New York version, like in the 70s oh. or 60s or whatever, with Art Raymond, I think she said. Wow. But, you know, it was weird. There was one woman in, the, in the, one of the shows before I got on, like, so I was the fourth one, so one of the ones before I got on, there was a woman who was so nervous, she was shaking, and, and they had to massage her at the first commercial break. <laughs> oh, my God! <laughs> I don't even know if she answered any of them. I don't even know if she answered in her entire show. I mean, that I can't remember. I'd have to go back, you know, if I had access to the shows. But I know she didn't say anything before the first commercial break, and, and you know, I, I, it looked like she was going to have to drop out of the show. Wow. I mean, it, that was, it was so ridiculous. I mean, she was just so crazy. But... I had some interesting people that day. There was one guy who ended up being working on ESPN. Maybe he was even an on-air personality. I looked him up at one point, and he seemed to have gone on to success. Uh, I think he was, I don't know if he was the day before me, this guy. I guess his name was Todd Leopold or something. There was another guy the day after me who was trying to be a Hollywood screenwriter. I, I never knew what happened to him. I think I was in touch with him once. Oh, wait a minute. The ESPN guy. Um, Matthew Berry? No, no. no. His, his name was... 
Todd Leopold. Okay, Todd I Leopold. I looked him up even within somewhat of me. I think that was his name. And and he seemed to have gone on. Like He was from Syracuse University, where all these sports guys come from. So has anybody ever noticed, on on to, other than me, what? that you had the category palindromes, which you did very well right. in, and then in 2004... Right, you wrote yeah. four songs for a movie called Palindromes. That is, dee, 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 dee. <laughs> yeah. What's I up with know. that? I don't know. I never thought about that, but yeah, that. I mean, that was once it started going that category, it became so obvious that it was like every letter of the alphabet was just P and P. It was just a matter of buzzing. A lot of it is just buzzing in. Well, that's what time. I was going to ask you. How much of it is the buzzer and the timing of? A lot of it. Like, I, yeah. there were a lot of questions that I did know and I couldn't buzz in. I knew you had someone pip. else buzzed in. You had pip. <laughs> yeah, I knew it. Mm. I don't, yeah, I don't even remember. Did I get that or someone else? No, you, you got the first one. You got pup. Oh, but I mean, I'm just saying there were other questions in other categories all through it that I knew and I couldn't buzz in. You know, and I couldn't get. You did amazingly well but, in the Republicans category. Yeah, yeah, there were some good ones, but there were some other like. Uh, the worst was when I got that category. I guess that was a daily double one. <laughs> I said Nobel laureate. Oh, Nobel we were just laureate. talking about that. We were talking about that. And we know you knew it, and you wanted to say fuck. Right, after that, because that was it. And that was that was just so demoralizing. Because that was I, I was thinking in my mind. I was thinking of Alfred Tennyson. It was was a poet laureate. That's what I was. Right. You know, I was like, I was. That's what I was thinking of. The right thing. And then I just said the wrong thing. And then he and he and then he dramatically he traffic paused. Uh, Poet laureate. I know. Let me just say, I think think, that dramatic pause just to rub it in. A lot of the characters in your songs, they do the same thing, right? What did I say? say? A lot of characters in your songs do the same thing. They think one thing and they say the wrong thing. Right. That was that was that was that was was the worst part of the thing because that actually I really knew, you know. Yeah, I I could tell. I wouldn't have won. I I couldn't have won anyway. I couldn't have won anyway. But uh, I don't know. You played really well. but that was painful. That that one that moment there when I didn't get that one was. Yeah. Luckily, I didn't bet a lot of money though. What we're gonna do, I think, after you leave the air, or maybe sometime soon, mm-hmm. is I'm gonna do all the questions that you got right. I'm gonna ask of Mitch to see how he does in comparison, and I know that mm-hmm. you will kick his ass. Well, oh, well he should um, go on. Maybe uh, he should yeah, go on. I don't think so. <laughs> Aton, apparently you haven't heard how Mark rigs his games for Mitch to lose. Are you smarter than Mitch is one of our, you know, kind of fun games that we play uh-huh. once in a while. And Mitch, Mitch is not one of them. They rig those game shows on TV, too. You've seen exactly. games quiz, I, Everyone's quiz against me. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, can you mind if we take a short break and play one of your songs? Ah, I'd love it. All right. Yeah. So we're going to play one of my favorites. And I think one of the things I love about a lot of your music is that you take you know these down and out stories and you put them against this amazingly cool power pop happy sound mm-hmm. and this is one of those this is can i get any lower i don't think you'll hear it right while we're yeah, playing but we it can, while i've heard it many times <laughs> I'm sure. but but we can chat while the song's playing exactly so we'll be back okay, in touch right great. after this, this is Aton mersky mm-hmm. can i get any lower
Hey, that. Time. Yeah. that was, uh, can I get any lower? That's one of my favorite songs. I think really the the, uh, the, the jam on this where you're, um, you know, the lively power pop song about a guy who's, now he's dead. <laughs> so yeah, I really love that one. It's hard to pick a favorite album. Do you, the new one's amazing, but they're all really good in their own right. Is there one that you kind of draw to, you know, that you go back to and think, wow, that was uh, maybe your favorite? I think that um that um funny money maybe because we have like different kinds of arrangements, you know. Yeah. Uh we have you know horns on one song and you know New Orleans style piano on another song and uh you know just you know more of a variety of the way we did the song, so. Cool. I have a question about the, um, like, you obviously know sound in in your work from sound engineering and everything else, Um, but you have different producers for your albums, and have you ever self-produced? Well, yeah. um, I think my second album, Get Ready for Eton, is just credited. I mean, some of them are credited to me, but I mean, the credit doesn't really mean that much because really I probably should have been given more credit earlier to uh, my friend John Gordon, who's credited. I I don't know when I started discrediting him as the producer. Sometimes he might be credited as the co-producer or not. I don't don't remember how the things are credited, but... uh, he really has got more. I mean, I'm I'm like the producer just in the sense that I'm just expressing my uh, preferences, you know. Right. Whereas he's really got the uh, more detailed knowledge and uh, even you know theory I, knowledge. I think you, yeah, I think whatever. you credit him as producer on the last, the most recent three. Um, if I look back, yeah. At well, the last one I did. The last one I had a different. It, it, uh, if not now, later I had a variety. Of right, people, he mastered it though. Right before that, I think I had three, three in a row, maybe that it's yeah, credited, I think it might have been like that. So I, I was actually I was looking at John Gordon's uh, website, and uh, there was a band called Tycoon that I wasn't familiar with. I downloaded some of that music. It's pretty good. Um, it was. Oh, like, I thought you were going to say you were familiar with them, and I was going to go, "Wow, no, no they, I'm they, not they that have good." A top no. forty hit. <laughs> they did. A top forty hit. Although it's not clear to me whether he was with the band at the time. I mean, I, I don't even remember. Well, apparently, uh, Wikipedia says that he played slide guitar on that one on that particular <laughs> top forty. Oh, okay, yeah, such a woman or something. Yeah, such called. a woman. Hit, but what? Was what kind of bummed me out is looking at his website. He doesn't even mention you. He mentions I like a whole. I think I'm in a picture. I thought I was on the and, and there was a photo of me at one Maybe. point. Maybe right now he's and, mentioning and you know such luminaries as uh, uh, and Weight, here I Weight am crediting him. Yeah, Fox uh, Network, Avon. <laughs> Are you sure you're in the? I don't know if you're in the right. No, you must be in the right yeah, one. Yeah, John because, Gordon. Yeah. Because there's another John Gordon who's a saxophonist who's pretty famous too. Yeah, so no, this funny. guy. You know, he, he he mentions Madonna and you know. Uh, Suzanne yeah, Vega, yeah, what well, have they done for us? Yeah. yeah, come on, seriously. So anyway, yeah. So now, a lot of the times I I'm in the newsletter where he mentions like, oh, you know, well, we've been working on this, and we've been working. You know, Aton came down and did his thing. You know, so it's like I have gotten mentioned. Well, have a chat, seriously. You need to be on the front. You know, page well, of that the, the interesting thing with him is that you, which you should read sometime is that he's got a thing he wrote on the uh, Steely Dan site because he was almost a member of. Original member of Steve oh really band. interesting he went he went to high school he was in the high school band with Walter okay yeah and so his he has a reminiscence of how Walter and Donald came down from Bard and were and according when he thought they were asking him places to play but then Walter has an editor's note saying no we were asking him to be part of the band oh no way you know <laughs> uh, yeah but 
you know, but as John says, he would have been then been fired after the first album. Anyway, like everybody, <laughs> like else. everybody else. Like everyone yeah. else. Yeah. Anyway, so it wouldn't have made any difference. Exactly. But, uh, yeah, but, uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I actually started working with John because when I was doing my second album, which I think I am credited as being the producer, I um, needed someone to master it. He, he uh, had different people. Um, the guitarist on uh, my second album, which is Get Ready for a Ton, his name is Larry Saltzman, and he played with Simon and Garfunkel tours, and uh, he played with David Johansson for a while when he had the blues band. He's played with, he was a big studio guy. Anyway, he uh, he recommended a bunch of people to mix, one guy to mix, and then he recommended John to master, and then from that, we just kept working and working, you know, doing different albums since then so it's like 20 years that i've been working with john on and off cool so i i was noticing i i would I had to go back in the uh your catalog to the first album and going forward and um it seemed like uh certainly the first album had a uh a little more uh instrumentation and stuff going on and it seemed as you're going on uh you're stripping it back a little more, at least subtly. Hmm. Um, and yeah, I, I, that certainly was not. I mean, I, I'm surprised you saying. I mean, I, I, yeah. I don't even know. But uh, the first album was like a totally different thing. Yeah, like I, 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 we were just doing it. I had a friend of mine, he high school friend of mine, who had a band, and he was living down in Miami. I went there, and we recording it basically in his house and oh right you know, in Miami I, I, interesting okay yeah yeah I, I didn't uh, it was a Miami sound machine I didn't tell you <laughs> no it was just a guy <laughs> with my so uh Gloria Estefan uh, was there you know, that's awesome yeah it was just you know we just I didn't know what I was doing I was just like so I learned from doing you know being involved in my own thing and then I and went off in my own direction after that doing yeah. but there's some good so, there are some really that, good songs there's some there. great tunes yeah. on there really I'm a big awesome. fan of I love uh, I love that tune Melissa it's one of my favorites oh yeah well that's definitely the most popular from that album there's, there's no doubt about that yep, it's super and good. I used to get a lot of people who whose name were, was Melissa or knew people Melissa like, yeah. on contact contacting me or you know how'd that work yeah. out for you Oh, well, actually, it was written about someone named Melissa, but that didn't work out at all. <laughs> my point is the people who, yeah. who know whose name are Melissa or who, who, who knew a Melissa, it was popular with them. Yeah, so, no I mean, I'm saying the song was popular for a time online. Like, I would hear from people, like, on MySpace yeah. or whatever. So what are you doing, other than writing and singing, what, what's your day job these days? You still doing sound editing? I work at HBO. I work at HBO. I, I mean, as you said, I was. I'm used to be a sound editor. So for about twenty whatever years, I was a sound editor working on you know, big, big Hollywood films. Yeah, there are tons um, of them. You, yeah, your IMDb of, is worked, amazing. Yeah. Seriously, I worked on a bunch really of the cool. Palma movies. I worked on yeah. the David Mamet movies. Yeah, there's some big ones. Howard movies. Yep. I didn't, you know, it's funny because I mean, it seemed like I, I didn't even work on that many movies as a relative to some other people because I, a lot of the time that I was working in sound, I was the right hand man for the guy I worked with, Maurice Schell, who was a big sound editor in New York, who went way back. I mean, he went back, you know, into the 70s and worked on, he, you know, all that jazz. He was the supervising sound editor. I'm trying to think of things that, you know, were big that, uh, yeah. He did, but anyway, uh, he worked on a lot of big New York films. But so when I was his right hand man, I was on for months at a time. A lot of people, when they're working on sound things, could be working three weeks on one job and then two weeks on the other. You know, just on and on. Nowadays, the way it works. I mean, I, even though I haven't been doing it over ten years, like you could be in a situation where like you're working on twenty jobs a year, and then your resume is getting hundreds of films. Mm. Whereas I really did do that many because I, I would be on maybe for months at a time and do two jobs in a year but yeah. uh, after that I um, well when the Maurice who I work with retired and I other people I was working with moved to LA and I mean I could see I wasn't you know, prospects weren't that good some another friend of mine Kevin Lee was working at HBO and he told me about this job so started working there I basically work on remastering old shows um, like we remastered the wire, and I don't just mean the sound. I'm gonna work on the picture and the sound. Not that I'm doing the technical work. I'm just doing the research, basically making sure that you know the facilities doing it have what they need. It's you know that's a whole technical 
you know, thing. But Yeah, so Aton had me um, send a note to his beeper, just like on the yeah, first year of The Wire. Right, I was saying it's like this season <laughs> yeah. one of The Wire, where, like, yeah. you know, meet me, you know, meet at the <laughs> this building and that building. And, That's excellent. So, yeah. Aton, the, um, uh, I was curious, like, obviously, uh, going to, you know, grad school film and all that stuff you must have been into music before that learning and uh maybe not performing but uh writing writing and doing stuff um what got you more into it at as well what happened was when i was in high school i was into it and uh, you know i I mean you know i was taking uh, guitar lessons uh even though never that good of a guitarist or whatever, but I was taking guitar lessons in high school and then became into it studying writing songs. Then when I was in college, I would write songs about college life, you know, just like comical songs about college life. Yeah. I went I went to Brandeis. Oh, yeah, so I know Brandeis. Like, <laughs> okay. For instance, like, I, the, reason, the reason why I bring that up, not that there's any reason not to bring it up, but <laughs> the reason I bring it up is that, they, you know, it's uh, got a substantial... Jewish population, which so they have in the cafeteria, in one one of the cafeterias, they have a kosher line. So I had this one song called "She's on the Kosher Line." It was like you know a song, a song of a longing for the girl who's on the kosher line. Oh, that's pretty. And awesome. Then I had other songs, other song called "Pre Med Girl," and at the library was another song. And just like you know. I can't see where college fits into that. I'm not. I'm kidding. Yeah, we got to go back and get those. We got to get those on vinyl. Got to get them recorded. Right. So and then I would do it. I mean, like you know, the, the campus coffee house and some other events nice. where they have they have this big uh, cabaret thing on. You know, or they have like a fundraiser. For, they had a fundraiser for the senior gift to the school. I performed. Yeah, so I performed a you know a number of times in college. Then I went to film school, so I kind of got out of the music. Some, you know, I wasn't doing yeah. that much music at that time. Although when I would be working on, you had to work on everyone's. You know, you 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 have to work on each other's films and the crew. You know, you you know, let's say there would be five people, and you rotate around and work on each other's films. And so when I would be working on other people's films, I, I would make up ridiculous, you know, songs about their films, telling the whole story of their films. You know in a song, you know, just keep singing it to them. Do you generally um, write the, are you a lyrics first kind of guy? It would seem that that might be my impression. Yeah. I mean, I I, I mean, not that I sit there, I don't sit there and write an entire lyric and say, what am I going to write? But I mean, it's, yeah, right. I mean, it's like, I'm coming up with, with a topic or title or whatever, and then working from there. You know, not that I'm writing the entire lyric and then coming thing, but kind of simultaneously. But I, but it's not like I come up with a melody and go, oh, what, what, what word should I put for this? You know, <laughs> that <laughs> makes more you sense know, to me. Yeah, I don't like maybe like Brian Wilson sits there going like do 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 whatever. He obsesses. He obsesses. <laughs> I, I, I don't do that. But, All right, let's know, um, so. let's play another song here. This is from Funny Money. Uh, this is my dog likes your dog, and uh, we'll chat with you again on the other side of this one. Hmm. down the street It's nice that after all this time we should finally meet And I don't want to sound too crazy Still I think it's a sign That my dog likes your dog and yours likes mine Look how nice they get along Like they were meant to be friends Perhaps some other night this week We can do this again And if I ask you for your number Am I crossing the line? Cause my dog likes your dog And yours likes mine don't have to find out that I just bought this dog today Just to meet you, just to have 
something to say And if this doesn't work out Tell me what am I supposed to do Cause I don't wanna have this dog at all If I can't have you Of his own, but if you're free tomorrow night, why not throw me a bone? And you can bring some bits and kibbles, honey. I'll bring some wine, cause my dog likes your dog, and yours likes mine. Yeah, my dog likes your dog, and Yours likes mine Oh baby, my dog likes your dog and yours Yours likes mine here with Aton Mursky. That is from Funny Money. That's My Dog Likes Your Dog. And Aton, you were saying off the air that that is one of one of your favorite songs, instrumentation yeah, and the well, various you know, And someone really pegged it in one review. I think it was this one reviewer in uh, from Spain where I'm uh, semi big. Huge. Yeah, exactly. Because it's in the metric system, so I'm used. <laughs> <laughs> when they measure me in inches, it's nothing but it's that is good, but, uh, you know. But centimeters, I'm big. Uh, <clears> the uh, someone pegged it when they, they said it sounded like a combination of Jonathan Richmond and Willie Deville, and that's really like those are really two of my big uh, influences. I was that was one of the questions. Your influences uh, going through uh, your your songs and your inspirations. So that answers two of those. Yeah. So from right. so, those, those so are they great. have a song where both of them in the song because it's kind of like a goofy, you know, somewhat you know thing you would might find in a Jonathan Richmond thing, but done <laughs> up in a kind of Mink Deville. Yeah, style. have you heard? Have you yeah. heard Willie's new album? It's pretty good, really good. He has a new album. He's yeah. been dead for twenty. No, years. not Willie. Willie like Willie Wisely? Did well, you say no? Which oh, no, oh Willie Deville. Deville. Oh, sorry, sorry, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. The other New York guy. The other guy. Yeah, Willie Willie Wisely. Willie Wisely. I know. Willie Loman. Willie Loman. Facebook friend of mine, and I think I actually met him once. I went to see. <laughs> they had these like concerts of these like it was like a super group uh, kind of thing. It was him, Cliff Hillis, uh, uh, Pete Donnelly from the Figs, and hmm. maybe it's that some... guy Jim Boja, maybe like four guys. Power pop like royalty, kind of like a singer. I mean, a songwriter circle kind. Of, but they were all playing together, playing each other's songs, as I remember. So, so I, go Aton, ahead. Yeah. the um, pre-COVID, <laughs> what was? Uh, did you have like little places around uh, that you would play in uh, Queens area? Uh, typically, that were no, your I mean, favorite well, go-to. I would t- for years, I was playing in. Uh, Manhattan. I would, I would, yeah. I would play at this place called the Bagot Inn. Yeah, that was really my place to play. Okay. Unfortunately, then that that went out of business. That, that's on West Third Street, but that went out of business. Uh. So after that, it was really it was hard to find a place because they would give me like any slot, you know, like good slots. You right. Know, right. Weekend, a weekend at a at an early good time. Um, then I played a few. I, I think I played Kenny's Castaways a couple of times. That that doesn't exist anymore either. Uh, and then, you know, a lot of places started losing their leases in Manhattan, you know, and then everything started kind of migrating to Brooklyn. And I don't really, I have played a couple of times, I really want to play there because I don't live in Brooklyn, and a lot of people I know don't necessarily live in Brooklyn. And even if you live in Brooklyn, one neighborhood, it's not that accessible to get from one neighborhood to the other. Right, right. So, eventually I just kind of stopped. Did you get a Did you get a little shit from friends uh, for saying Brooklyn to the New York City, uh, Philly answer on that Jeopardy show? No, 
you know what? You know, most people aren't. Most people here in New York aren't from New York, so they don't. Oh, that's know true. That's a really good point, on. and they're not assholes like but, me for bringing that up. Apparently, <laughs> no, no. I mean, actually, I thought it was good because I thought it was a trick question because Brooklyn and it wasn't was its own city until like in the eighteen nineties or something. It made sense. It was a good so answer. I thought it was a trick. I thought it was a trick. See, but, he's still, know, he's still in the Jeopardy moment. <laughs> know. He knows his history. He yeah. does. Oh, they, yeah. You, no, but you, that, <laughs> that's what I That's why in, in the moment I was thinking like, oh, like, oh boy, boy, like I'm smarter city. than Alex. Like, 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 I mean, this is not really that relevant because uh, obviously it wasn't its own city at that point. But do you remember when you, you watch Welcome Back, Cotter, and, sure. and, and sure. the beginning, and it Mr. would have a sign saying, like, you're now entering, like, four, you're the fourth biggest city in America or something. In your eighth year of high school. <laughs> yeah, but there was a sign there in that montage, like, Welcome Back, you know. Yeah. And uh, whatever. So, I'm, so that's why I was thinking, like, oh, yeah, well, you know, when it wasn't part of the city, it was one of them, who knows. But obviously it was wrong. So then luckily, again, I didn't, luckily, it was lucky I didn't bet a lot of money. I kept, I kept finding the three doubles and, and, and losing them, but at least not putting all my money into them. You had a respectable you know? outing. No, it was a very good outing. I, I oh, a, yeah. No, yeah. it wasn't yeah. It wasn't terrible. But yeah. uh, Well, if you look actually, at the number to, of questions you answered. I had a friend that did not do so good on Jeopardy. And was yeah, it did not. Um, he didn't uh, do so good. No, wait, I got mm. it wrong. I'm on the wrong game show. Did not do so well on Wheel of Fortune. Oh boy. Oh well, that's a whole other. Thing. A whole other thing. A whole but, other one. But <clears throat> even a different. Level I actually auditioned. Of I auditioned. I auditioned for the daytime version of the Biggest Loser. Not the Biggest Loser. I meant like what was that? The Weakest Link. Oh no, kidding. Biggest Loser. No, no, I wasn't. I, I was just, it sounded the same. The weakest link of the day, but it got canceled before I could get on. Oh. I, I'm sure I, w- I'm sure I would have gotten on. They, they liked it when I was auditioning. I mean, I'm sure because by then I had had these credits in these movies and then, you know, in the songs and movies. So I'm telling these stories that you could see, like, I knew they would think, oh, this is interesting. We'll put him on and he'll, you know. Yeah. Hey, before we went to that last break, um, I interrupted you as you were talking about how you got back into music later after you had mentioned high school and then writing the songs in college. Right. So then I, well, this is in grad school, I, you know, at the film school, grad school, I was writing songs in people's movies. I mean, not that they were using them. I think maybe someone did, but uh, I would make up these ridiculous songs about their movies. Then when I graduated, I was trying to be a screenwriter and actually initially i thought like right when i got out it seemed like man i'm really going to succeed because uh todd solens who we were talking about mm-hmm. um uh he asked me to work on this thing with him about uh you know a comedy based on the college admission process and there were, <laughs> he, there were two different versions that we, we were working on but so we had a one ver- like we wrote a treatment of this thing called admissions impossible that was one thing we were working on. And we went to meet with, and it was like Revenge of the Nerds type of thing, you know, like this guy's like this, this super nerd, and he's trying to get into this thing called Lily White University, you know. And uh, and it ends in this climactic badminton match. <laughs> That's you know. how he's going to get into the school, like, it's whatever. Uh, and because uh, he wants to go there just because there's this girl that he's into. Of course. Is how he wants to go. But anyway, uh, so we wrote this treatment and we met with these producers. Like we met with, uh, I can't remember who too. I guess Chuck Gordon. He was the brother of Larry Gordon. Um, oh, sure. Lar- Largo Entertainment. Yep. He made all those big action movies. Yeah. So it was around the time that Chuck Gordon, maybe both brothers, maybe Larry and Chuck, made this movie called Night of the Creeps. So we went to see that, I remember Todd and I, and then we went to meet with uh, Chuck. But anyway, that didn't work out, and then uh, he had a, another version, of, or maybe I was involved in that too, I don't even remember, of there was a more serious version of the same topic, not as ridiculous. Regardless, he ended up not doing the project at all. I want to hear the ridiculous up. one. We need to resurrect this thing. <laughs> no, that Perfect was timing. the ridiculous That's what I mean, one. yours. I, yeah. The one I explained was the ridiculous Yeah, yeah that's that what I want to hear. I want to see it. I want this to happen. Yeah, it should have gotten made. It definitely had admissions impossible yeah. if anyone's out there and listening to this show and <laughs> hey, still wants to make it. Oh, Let's make it. But actually, a good a iPhone and a YouTube account, you're yeah. good. 
I, I kept <laughs> writing other crazy scripts with another friend of mine. His name is Bruce Balbo. He lives in Queens. And uh, those didn't go anywhere. I mean, understandably, because it's almost, I mean, not saying they were good. They weren't. I'm sure they <laughs> you know, weren't too good. But it's impossible to get anything to anybody. And they were all ridic- ridiculous comedies along those same lines, pretty much. Although I did have one really good idea. Um, we wrote this, well, actually, more than one. There was one script we wrote that was kind of like Bananas, Woody Allen's Bananas, but with a rock band where it was like a takeoff on, you know, when everybody was, everybody in rock and roll was doing these causes, you know, like Live Aid. and. Oh, nice. So <laughs> this guy, was this band, like a Madonna type, our sleazy manager gets her to go do a concert with the rebels in some you know, <laughs> Central American country, and then they become like pawns between the dictator Wait, so this and, is the, like a and the rebels. Hanoi Jane Rockstar? <laughs> Almost. Yeah, I mean, but, but, but it's not necessarily, it doesn't really bear on America so much. It's just they, they become like, you know, pawns between the, like, Generalissimo oh, no. and, and, the, and the rebels, like, like you know, the, like Nicaragua, you know, gotcha. was in, in the 80s or whatever. But they, this rock band is trying to make this thing and, and getting caught in the, in the crossfire there. Oh, geez. But And then I had another really good idea, which was, a, you know, all, the, all these buddy cops were really big at the time. Yeah. So I had this idea where this guy goes back in time, you know, a time travel thing, and he teams up with his younger self. He's a, he's a cop, and he teams up with his younger self. And, uh, I love it. Know, it was a good idea. I'm not saying we wrote it up too well, but it, it was a good idea. And but anyway, uh, so, you know, and if you could have got, could have gotten like a Martin Sheen and Charlie Sheen, well, you know, or unless you just use CGI and have the same guy play it. Well, but, all I can see is know. the older version. At all costs, don't let the young guy die because instantly you die. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Right. <laughs> Got to exactly. protect that. That's a really good point. No, it is exactly <laughs> it. I mean, you know, so. Anyway, uh, the Todd and I then wrote something. We might have written some other treatments, but at a certain point, before he had a real success with Welcome to the House, we wrote this thing together, which was a kind of a takeoff on Die Hard movies. Right. We had a lot of different titles for this. So like sometimes it was called Try Harder, or, or I think it was originally called Ever Ever Ready. Ever Ready. Ever ready. It was like Die Hard as a battery. Die Hard as a battery. So Ever Ready. <laughs> But I, but it had so many titles that I can't I can't even tell you what the official title was anymore. But no, we, I sent it out under different titles. But um, we it, it was basically this uh, actor who in, in in the films he makes he's like macho guy and he's like oh yeah I do all my stunts and you know how it is. But in real life he's he gets involved in this real life hostage situation like a diehard thing and he's a total coward initially yeah you know? <laughs> i like it. and then That's he, a lot of good he has here. to he has to redeem himself you know by actually saving everybody and his ex-wife you know who's also at this function <laughs> charity function and and it also involved like uh Uh, the Satanic Versus, what's that? Salman Rushdie, it involved, it involved <laughs> yeah, right, a right, kind right. of a subplot. I mean, not the subplot, but the thing that sets all this off why the terrorists are there is because there's this um, singer who's, you know, uh, they want to kill because they regard his song as being blasphemous, you know. Uh, even though he uh, doesn't intend it, it's, it's unintentional. But, so speaking uh, of a song, we've got... Yeah. Um, one of yours, and which falls with uh, what you're talking about, right? Sort of. Sort of, kind of. <laughs> um, do you I have... didn't even get to the point of how I got back into music. I know, that's all right. Back. We'll that's save that okay. one. We'll save it for next time. That's what, um, yeah, yeah. Are you working on any songs uh, now? Um, 2019 wasn't very long ago, so I just, you know, you've had probably some extra time. I have four songs recorded for the next album. Wonderful. Excellent. Are they, so they're recorded? Uh, I wish I had written more. I had had more. Yeah, no, they're recorded. Yeah, okay, they're, fantastic. they're, they're so totally they're recorded. To okay, cool. Well, I've if been you... recording remotely, even though 
I, I do my vocals in my apartment and other people do their thing. And Whenever yeah, you're ready to sneak one of those to us, we'd be happy to uh, promote it and get it out there as a single. So um, very yeah, much appreciate. I don't, think, I don't know if I want to do that. <laughs> I don't blame you. I don't blame <laughs> you. <the album. laughs> yeah. It'll be good. It'll be awesome. We'll be looking forward to that. Uh, you'll definitely be the, among the first, or if not the first, to get them. Uh, All right. But, thank you but, so much. I don't know. I, I, I'm too far away from the actual album. Yeah. No, that's great, You've though. Four is good. Yeah. You've got I mean, time. You gotta have four to but start. Like, right, you know, like right before, I would definitely. I would okay, definitely. this is fantastic. We have had a blast. We're gonna see you out with uh, I Fallen and I Can't Get Up. Um, thanks so much oh, for okay, spending great. some time with us, Mitch. Yeah, uh, Aton, um, we'll connect mm-hmm. uh, post show. Yeah, uh, and let you know when I can uh, head up to the city. That'd be awesome. It's been sure, great. We'll have you on again. again. I didn't even get to the point of how I got back at the. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> go for it. it. All right, finish it. Finish that up. Finish that up. Oh, no, I was just going to say, so after writing these scripts and getting nowhere, and then I decided, like, hey, let me get back to music, because that at least doesn't cost millions of dollars to make <laughs> That's a movie. That's right, exactly. <laughs> right. So a little easier to make produce. an album, you only need a couple of thousand dollars, or whatever. You yeah, know? exactly. And then once that led to success of songs being in movies, that just led me to keep doing it. I have to say, one of the songs I've yet to hear, and I've got to go back and listen to it myself, it's, a, it's one of the extras that you put on your first album, um, the eBay teeth song. Oh, I, I did listen to that. It's, <laughs> I bought your oh, broken teeth on just, eBay. <laughs> right. That was just kind of, you know, a gag, obviously. Yeah, no, it sounds fun. It's the comedian that I knew who was saying that she, she broke her teeth and she did that. And I, and then I, she, this woman and she was, the you know, um, she's actually gone on to be somewhat famous, but she was, uh, MC of a comedy show and that I was going to be on and then I said oh I'll, and I actually did buy her teeth on the eBay <laughs> I actually have them here See? I actually have them she was saying that she was so oh, true she, story she was selling them to uh, to be able to afford the operation on you know her oh dental work oh my gosh so that's one of your most uh, so, uh, of, so I have that here yeah, that's an that's a rarity. That's <laughs> yeah, a security that you really don't. So, uh, so I actually did you know, have that, and I and I then I wrote this song, and then I performed it at the comedy show. At that's comedy fantastic. Show. All right, yeah. once again, you have been listening to Aton Mursky here on NWR with Mitch yeah, and Mark. Check his catalog out on Bandcamp. Go to the Bandcamp page. Yeah. Buy everything you can. In the meantime, this is from the latest album. Uh, if not now, later. This is I've Fallen and I Can't Get Up. Thank you again, Aton. We'll talk to you Thanks, soon. Thanks, guys. It's yeah. been a blast. Take care, you man. Too. Thanks. Dream of the day I'll stand up on my 